Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast. This is episode 54, and today we are going to be talking about something that I would say every dog owner looks forward to when they think about getting a dog. And I know this is something that I really envied when I was uh, in my first few lessons at McCann Professional Dog Trainers. I would notice that the instructor's dogs uh, just seemed to pay attention to them. Regardless of the environment, they just seemed to look to them for information. And uh, that was something that I I thought was really, really impressive. And at the time I thought, well, that dog just really loves their owner or that dog is just really well trained. But what I quickly learned was that you can actually build that skill into your dog, build that desire to, uh, you know, uh, give you attention. And actually joining me today, uh, as she does every week, is instructor Shannon Viljasser. She's the director of online training at the My Dog Can program. And Shannon has written a blog post uh, on the McCandogs.com site that we're going to go over today. And it's actually going to teach you how to have amazing attention from your dog. I'm Ken Steep, and welcome back to McCann Dogs. Now, Shannon, as I as I mentioned off the beginning, this I was so envious of the instructors uh, in my grade one class and grade two and uh, moving up, how much attention their dogs gave them, and. Uh, I can understand why you'd uh, want to share this information because, like I said, as a student, I just assumed it was a really loving dog or a very smart dog, but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And actually, that was what prompted me to write this blog post was because I love that moment where people are like, oh, well, your dog is just really, really attentive to you. And I say, guess what? I've spent a lot of time teaching this so you can have it too. And then we start getting into games for attention and teaching attention work. And they start realizing that, you know what, I can have this great attention too. And you just, you feel so good when you can actually call on your dog to, to watch you when you need that focus. So, you know, whether or not it's a situation where you just want them to look at you because you don't want them looking at something else in the environment, or whether it's a situation where you want them to look at you so that you can give them them a, a further cue at that point. It's just such an amazing feeling and it's such a fundamental thing to good dog training to have your dog be able to turn on attention when you ask them to. There, there's a few skills that we uh, teach in our training, whether it's the in-class or the My Dog Can program that I think are, um, you know, have a, a really big impact and not, uh, you, you don't, you don't recognize it. If you're not a dog trainer, you might not recognize the importance of that skill right away. But you do, as a student, realize that as your dog gets better at this behavior or this skill, that overall they get better. You know, overall they seem to be more successful. And, and this is one of those skills. And it's actually, um, Shannon, you created a, a free workshop for anybody who is uh, listening to the podcast and uh, hasn't checked out uh, the free my, uh, free uh, attention workshop. We have like a free monthly program. And I just wanted to mention that just off the top for anybody that wants to, is interested in what they're listening to and wants to take a deeper dive with their dog. Mm -hmm. But in that workshop, as uh, I'm sort of looking at it here, there's a couple different kinds of attention that, that your dog might give you. And, and there are some ways to um, train your dog to give you those types of attention. And let's talk about those different kinds of attention. 
Yeah, definitely. So the first one is probably the easiest one to teach and the easiest one for everybody to sort of wrap their head around why you would teach it and how you would teach it. And that is uh, it's solicited attention. So basically, I've asked my dog to focus on me using a cue that I've, I've accustomed him to. And he has learned that when I say, and we always use look at me around here. So when I say look at me, the expectation is that he takes his focus off of whatever is in the environment and he looks directly up at me. So that one is a fairly easy thing to teach through luring. And we like to use, you know, small amounts of food, luring from their nose right up to our face, and then coupling a cue with that so that we can we can teach our dog to have an association between that look at me cue and moving their attention upwards to our face. So that's sort of the most common form of attention is that solicited attention where we've taught them on a cue. And I think uh, there's some discussion right now in the dog trainer world about the uh, the how luring can slow down the learning process, or at least that trainer's ideas that learning that it's uh, better to do more operant conditioning to, to train your dog by having them uh, offer some behaviors. But uh, I know uh, in all of the dogs that we see every week that using that luring is uh, with good timing is such an important way to show them how to be right. And it allows you to be successful more quickly. Absolutely. You mean there's controversy in the dog training world? I yeah, have no I, idea. I um, do love that saying <laughs> that uh, the only thing that um, two dog trainers will agree on is what the third dog trainer is doing wrong. So, I mean, it, it is so true. It is absolutely. And I am a firm believer in keeping an open mind. And that means that all of the methodology that I have learned in my dog training career, you know, regardless of whether it's something that, even if it's a method that I would never ever touch with a 10 foot pole, I'm still glad to have that knowledge because it helps me move forward with my own dogs and my own training. And having different tools in my toolbox, I want to be able to shape. I want to be able to capture. I want to be able to lure. I don't ever want to say, no, I'm not going to teach my dog in that way, even though it might be more efficient because it's the, it's the method that people don't really think as, of as the most popular method out there. No, keep as many tools in your toolbox as you possibly can. And I put out a meme recently, actually, that really rang true to me. I thought, we have so many people and things to learn from in the dog training community. You should always amass as much knowledge in your toolbox as possible, but never forget who the real trainers are, who your real teachers are. And that, of course, is the dog. The dog is the one that's going to give you feedback. So, I mean, if we were using luring as a method, for example, and it didn't work or it took forever or it put the dog off for some reason, then absolutely, I would say, you know what, you're probably better off with a different method of training but the dogs will give you the feedback. And we know that with certain behaviors, luring is one of the quickest ways of getting the dog to understand that behavior. So don't throw out a methodology just because somebody said, that's ah, not the best way to train. Train it, learn it, play with the dogs and see what feedback they give you. And that's your true test of what's really going to work. That was a little bit of an aside, of course, we got off track, but I think well, that's a really important note. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I know we've mentioned this in previous podcasts where we talk about, you know, I train the dog that I'm training right now. And uh, having this, uh, you know, tool belt with lots of different op uh, options and opportunities and a, tr a deeper understanding of learning will help you to be more successful. And that's why we cover so many different topics, I think, here on the podcast. But I'll, I'm going to steer the uh, ship back on course uh, at this point after I, I've taken us <laughs> away. 
So you'd mentioned um, solicited attention was the first kind of attention that you had talked about. And the next one in your blog post is moving attention. And how is that different? Yeah. So we usually start solicited attention in a stationary position because that's a nice picture to present for the dog and it doesn't complicate the issue very much. So I always start stationary attention with my dog in a sit at my side. We call that control position. And that gives him a really nice picture to come back to the day after I've started teaching the concept. And then two days later, that picture looks the same. So it's going to be easier for my dog to learn that behavior. Now, once he understands stationary solicited attention, I I can start to add some motion to things. And I love this for working in a class environment, for example, where there's lots of other dogs around. You know, if I'm moving from point A to point B and I want to make sure that my dog doesn't get off track thinking about the floor or thinking about the other dogs in the room, I will use my look at me cue as I'm actually moving with him. And sometimes that means he's walking in control position, which would be the beginning of a heel or a walking on leash exercise. Or sometimes he can be anywhere else in the vicinity. So if he's out in front of me, for example, and I'm backing up and encouraging his attention upwards towards my face with that solicited attention cue, then I know that he's going to be safe. He's going to be focused on me. He's not going to be thinking about the distractions in the environment. And therefore, he's not likely to get himself into mischief going to visit another dog or sniff the floor or anything of that nature. So all these little um, all these little bits of attention have their handy times and places to use them. And that moving attention is definitely something that will come in handy when you're in crowded areas, for example. I know uh, a lot of people, we get a lot of questions on uh, YouTube, especially uh, asking about, can I use things like the leave it? Can I use things like the look at me uh, when if my dog's really interested to go see another dog? And it, uh, you can, as Shannon mentioned, but a lot of it comes down to the timing. And let's talk about the timing for a moment, Shannon. Uh, when you need to give your dog that information so that they they don't decide to go visit uh, that person walking down the street or they don't decide to chase that uh, plastic bag that's blowing away from you. Yeah, absolutely. Nice, uh, nice uh, example there that you pulled out of the air, the plastic bag. I used pizza last week. Somebody threw a big box of pizza out in front of the gate last week. That was an interesting one. Um, yeah, so basically the idea is always to set your dog up for success. So with the leave it cue, I find that a lot of times people overuse the leave it cue. Um, they'll be in a situation where the dog can't possibly be successful because there's another dog right on top of them or something of that nature, for example, and they're using the leave it cue. Leave it to me is a precursor. It's something where, you know, if I'm walking down the street and that plastic bag comes flying in front of my path, the second I see that and my dog may or may not have even shown interest in it yet. If I'm quick enough in the ideal scenario, my dog is just noticing it as I'm saying, leave it. I don't want you to pay attention to that thing right now. So in that scenario, hopefully I'm quick enough with my leave it cue that he says, oh, all right. I'm not supposed to pay attention to that right now, and that is great. What I might do if I'm in that same scenario and I see a dog coming in the opposite direction, and I know I have to pass that dog. So I actually have to put my dog in a situation where there is a, a bigger possibility of him interacting with that distraction of the other dog, for example. That's where I'm going to rely on other skills that I can keep my dog's focus on me, and then I can reinforce him once he's made those good decisions. So that might be a good a good place to, as you're passing that other dog, work, look at me with that moving solicited attention, and then praise as you're going past, reward as you're going past, or just after you've passed, if you're still in that stage where you're, you're randomly re 
or you're reinforcing the dog quite frequently. Um, if you're randomly reinforcing, of course, you don't have to feed or reward every single time, but you should still praise. Let your dog know that they've done a great job and they've made a great choice on that. Yeah, I, I think you... Um made such an important point that I hope all of our listeners understand is that you, the timing with your verbal is so vitally important. If you wait until your dog has decided that that thing is very interesting and now they're at the tipping point, you know, do I go, do I leave it? Then you're a lot less likely to be successful. But if you uh, give them that information a lot sooner before they've they've uh, sort of um, really fixated on that object or whatever, uh, you're you're a lot more likely to get that attention from your dog. Uh, because it's not that thing isn't quite as interesting so keep that in mind if you're working on that at home uh, with your dog is, is timing with these cues and certainly with the attention cue is going to be really important and you do sort of need to um, be really aware you know aware of your surround as, as an owner uh, aware of your surroundings as your training skills like this you know going to places that are less likely to have these kinds of distractions if you feel like your dog is really distracted or distractible mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, the next uh, kind of attention is voluntary attention. And uh, I, I love this one. And this is really what I was seeing. Um, I, this is what I would really notice when I was sitting in classes and the dogs would uh, would offer this kind of attention. But let's, let's uh, tell our listeners what voluntary attention means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, voluntary attention is one of my favorite games to play with my dogs, and I play it all the time. You know, even 11-year-old Reggie at home, we still do voluntary attention games just because mentally it's so, so fun for the dogs, and it really, really drives home them making a choice to ignore distractions in the environment and focus on you instead. So voluntary attention in a nutshell is just that. It's the dog volunteering to look at you rather than being solicited to look at you. So so if, for example, I have a room that's full of really exciting distractions, so maybe there's, you know, maybe I'm at a dog show and there's a canteen set up with food and they're cooking lunch and there's a whole bunch of dogs everywhere and there's a whole bunch of people and handlers everywhere. In that scenario, I would be nagging my dog nonstop every time we moved to a new uh, a new part of the building and my dog was faced with a new distraction i'd have to be saying look at me look at me look at me which isn't a bad thing but i would much rather my dog take the initiative himself to continue to stare at me and say what are we doing? Am I going to get a reward? Are you going to focus on me next? That really takes the responsibility off my shoulders and it puts it on my dog's shoulders, which means that I don't have to be perfect with my timing. I can rely on the fact that my dog is going to make a good choice. And when a distraction comes tight, he's going to look at me instead of that distraction. So how I would start voluntary attention is basically just quietly in a room with no distractions at all. So my first interactions with voluntary attention with my young puppy, for example, would be absolutely, you know, white room, nothing exciting at all. And I'm going to present the picture that he knows already because I will have started solicited attention first with that young puppy. So if I start with my dog sitting in control position, but I say nothing, likely because I've done some work with saying, look at me and luring his attention upwards or look at me and reinforcing that, 
likely my dog's going to get to a point where when he's in that control position, even if I haven't said anything, he's going to start to wonder what he's doing. And he's going to forget about the fact that there's a room to look at out there. And he's going to look up to me for guidance. And at that precise moment in the initial stages of this training, I am going to mark it with either yes or a clicker, and I'm going to reward him heavily. So basically what I'm teaching my dog is that if you choose to look at me, the skies rain with cookies and life is wonderful. So you are so much better off to watch me and focus on me with your attention, even if I haven't asked for it, than you are to pay attention to the environmental distractions. And of course, initially, he's going to get this right because it's a white room. There's nothing going on. But what I need to do is then build on that. So as soon as my dog understands I'm in control position, nothing's going on, I should look at you, that's voluntary attention. Now I'm going to take it further and I'm going to add distractions to the environment. And these are some of the drills that we worked through in the in the workshop um, are exactly this. So working with something that the dog is not necessarily super enticed by initially, but might take their attention. So for example, if your dog is a real food hound, um, you might have steak or cheese in your pocket and you might take a Cheerio and put it out on the ground in front of your dog. So once they've learned the idea of voluntary attention, add distractions, but set yourself up to be the real winner in the scenario. So the Cheerio on the ground, you know, it's not nearly as exciting as the steak or cheese that I have in my pocket. It might get my dog's attention for a moment. And as I patiently wait for him to make the decision to look away from the Cheerio and look up to me, I'm going to make sure that again, I really make an impression with that. Yes, what a good choice. And I'm going to reinforce several times or with very high value food so that my dog clearly understands that there is far more value in looking at me than in paying attention to the distractions in the environment. And then what I'm going to do is just systematically make those distractions in the environment tougher and tougher and tougher until my dog has learned that it doesn't matter what's going on in the environment, the better rewards and really the only option of rewards comes from me. So he's going to look up at me for those reinforcements. And that's the other half of the equation, of course, as well, is you've got to make sure that you don't ever let the dog go, leave your side, get that Cheerio on the floor, because that's actually shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. It's making your life a lot more difficult. So control the scenario somehow. If they don't have a really solid sit at your side yet, make sure they're on a leash. So if they do make a mistake and get up to go and get that Cheerio, you can stop them and you can put them back into that sit at your side. When you started talking about the, uh, I guess it was solicited attention and you talked about your dog in the control position, I think that's such a great starting point because you do have so much control, which the uh, position sort of, uh, um, I guess, gives you that impression. Um, because you your dog is less likely to be distracted. They're less likely to make mistakes. You just have every opportunity to help them to be right. And when you talked about some of the voluntary attention, and especially when it comes to something like... Uh, a distraction being around, uh, I think you can start to build this attention into all kinds of your your uh, the different skills that you're working on. So, for example, if I'm going back to reward a stay, maybe I'll reward from my face. You know, if I'm going back to reward uh, whatever, maybe it's a nice uh, recall in, and I've given my dog a couple of treats. I can again reward from my face to try to really build value on uh, your dog looking at you. Now, when we're talking about uh, some of these young dogs who may struggle through this process, what, if, if I were teaching my dog, maybe it's um, uh, solicited attention, let's say, and uh, I'm struggling, you know, what are some of the things that I need to really be aware of to help my puppy to be successful? 
Yeah. So first and foremost, you need to make sure that you're set up in an environment where there, there's not a bunch of competing distractions initially. So we're we're working backwards if we start this training in an environment where there's other competing distractions and there's things that your dog might be interested in because you're going to have to nag. And we don't want to do that. We want to set our dogs up to be successful. So as much as possible in the initial phases of the training, control the distractions in the environment. And if you are in an environment where there's lots of distractions and you're just starting your training with those distractions involved, remember that you'll need to take a step back in your reinforcement schedule. So for example, if I've set up in a quiet white room and there's nothing going on and I'm working solicited attention or voluntary attention and I've gotten to the point where I don't need to feed my dog every single time. So we're working through and he's doing great and I can say, look at me and maintain attention for 10 seconds even and then at the end of it, break it off and have a play or deliver food or give him a pat on the side and tell him he's a wonderful dog. And any of those things are going to, you know, essentially have the same value for my dog. That's great in that environment. But now if I go down the street and I'm working at the park and it's a new environment for my dog, I'm going to go back steps. So I might not necessarily have to go all the way back to the first step in my teaching, but I might. It depends on the dog. And that is what you're going to figure out with your own dog. But I definitely do need to make it easier. If I've gotten to finished product in the house and now I'm at the park, I'm definitely not going to start with finished product. I'm going to start somewhere along that timeline and see where my dog has success and where his success starts to fall off. And that's the point that I'm going to keep working at. I want to challenge him. I want to make sure that he's still learning, but I also want him to be successful and the majority of the time get it right in those scenarios. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Now, if people are thinking to themselves, you know, I'd really love to teach my dog or my puppy to have more attention, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to translate what I've heard in the podcast to actually being at home working with my dog. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you've created a totally free workshop all about attention. And uh, why don't you tell uh, the listeners about that just for a moment? And I'll actually post a link in the description below or in the show notes below so that you guys can jump in uh, to this training because it's it's not just an attention workshop, but tell us a little bit more about that, Shannon. Absolutely. So as Ken mentioned, we have come out with monthly free content and that's our, our latest project. And it's so exciting. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really quite thrilled with this, uh, this direction that we've gone in. So the, um, the workshops are to be released on the first of every month. And the first one is the attention workshop that's just been released. You can sign up for the update list so that every time we release a new workshop, we send you a quick email that reminds you about that. Um, we'll put that link in there as well, I'm sure. And um, that attention workshop, it's a three-day workshop. So basically, it starts to teach all of these concepts. And you'll see myself and Ned, my uh, almost two-year-old, he'll be two at the end of this month, Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Retriever, demonstrating all of these attention concepts. And the nice thing about it is he's still young, so he's not perfect, but it'll give you a great idea of how to work through things if you have issues. And uh, hopefully you'll get familiar with seeing us each and every month and learning new fun things. So we'd love to see you in the workshop. Now, Shannon and I have discussed um, some of the future topics and actually Shannon has been working hard on the upcoming month and I don't, is, are we, is this going to be a secret? We'll, we'll wait till the 1st of April to release the uh, secret or are, are we going to give her a podcast? I think I've already out? like 
I think I've already broadcasted to anybody who would listen. The next one, the next one. I've just recorded the next one. So, um, no, I don't think it's a secret. Do you want to spill the beans? Yeah, go, go ahead and, and let, our, let our podcast audience know that when they get signed up, they're going to get instant access to the attention workshop. But on yes. the 1st of April, they're going to get access in every single month. This is what I'm so excited about. There are so many times <laughs> I that I wish, you know, we get, uh, we get lots of comments from our podcast audience and from our uh, audiences on different social uh, outlets. And they're, they say, like, I'm having so much fun. This, this thing that you showed me is working and now we can take people on a little deeper dive. They can like yes. have a more, more progressional understanding and it's totally free, which I am pumped about that we, you know, we could just give it to these guys. So what's the next, uh, what's the next topic that we're, they're going to be working on in April? The next one, because we did attention, which is sort of obedience based, I decided the next one should be something a little bit more low key and fun. So I thought a trick would be great. And one of my favorite tricks is teaching your dogs to cross their feet. So in April, we're going to have a three day workshop on how to teach your dog to cross their feet. And it is not as difficult as you might think. So hopefully you get uh, signed up on that um, on that list and get in those workshops where we're taking you step by step through all of this content. You know, we're not leaving a whole bunch of stuff up in the air we are giving you detailed instructions on how you're going to do these things so you have all sorts of great skills by the end of them and you'll have all sorts of great instagram pictures with your dog if you've taught them how to cross their legs so so i'm excited uh, for you guys to get a uh, to have a look at the uh, upcoming um, free workshop and definitely click the link in the show notes below or in the description below to uh, get in on the attention workshop and work through this exercise with your dog now, Shannon, I want to thank you for a, another fun uh, podcast conversation. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity for uh, all of our listeners to, you know, get, take a get elbows deep into the work here and really have an opportunity to take what they've heard here today and begin to apply it with these uh, with these free workshops. And as always, your blog posts are um, educational and fun to read. Uh, so I want to thank you for creating all those. Oh well, thank you. I had and lots if, of fun. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and if this is your first time on the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button. Uh, we publish new podcasts every single week to help you understand the why behind how dogs think and learn. And on that note, I'm Ken. I want to wish you happy training. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.